welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church Lagos. We hope this sermon answers the doubts or questions that you have about the Gospel, its relevance to your life, and the ever-evolving culture around us. Our vision is to see the City of Lagos and beyond renewed by the Gospel, and to make that happen, we need your support. You can do this by rating this podcast, following us, and giving through the Give tab on our website, citychurchlagos.com. Thank you for your generosity. We pray this sermon impacts you positively with the gospel. At the end of this reading, I would say this is the word of the Lord, and you please respond by saying, thanks be to God. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard about all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Edomiah, and the regions across the Jordan, and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him, to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to them he gave the name Boanages, which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. This is the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Good morning, church. Um, so, I actually don't know the first, but you know, the thing is that, <laughs> the thing is that after, like, after preaching this sermon um, today, and people are going to walk up to me, right? I hope. <laughs> I hope that people, people will walk up to you if you preach a bad sermon, right? So, but they walk up to you, like, nobody's that bold yet. To say, ah, Dami, what's that? <laughs> but people walk up to you and say, oh, you know, fantastic. Um, that word was, that word was powerful. You know, I was really blessed. Um, and then some people have said that there are different ways that you can respond to um, compliments when you're getting after someone, someone after preaching. Like someone comes to meet you and say, ah, thank you, that word was for me, you know. And so the preacher responds by saying, you know, I'm glad you liked it. After all, I prepared it with you in mind. <laughs> That's what one guy said. And that guy said that if someone comes and says, you know, um, you know, the word of God is very clear. Like, it's just something about when you preach. It's just very clear. It goes, I don't, you don't go bounce around. Like, you know, it's just so clear. That's something I like you. And you just say, you know, I had some good material to work with. That's why. I always have the right resources, commentaries, and all that, you know. Yeah, you know. Or someone comes to meet you and you go confrontational. You tell the person, hey, who are you to judge the merits of my sermon? That's confrontational. Or one person says that, you say, ah, pastor, that was a fantastic sermon. You can respond by saying, we'll see. If you really think that my sermon was good, then put it into practice. So when I see it in your life, then I will know that it was a fantastic sermon. How many of you like that one? <laughs> but see, there's one, there's one guy that is very bad. So he's um, Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon says, oh man came to me, saw Charles Spurgeon. He told Charles Spurgeon that I was so blessed. That is the best sermon I've ever had in my life. And Charles Spurgeon said, the devil already told me that. Cold guy. But you get, you get what he's saying. 
because you know, you know, we, preachers are not, we cannot, we're not that, we cannot be cold like Spurgeon. You know, we, we tend to be very cool. You know, we tend to be too cool with it. You know, that's not our role. You might cannot say that kind of thing. You know, man, I will not say, you know, I had some good material to work with. Tommy will not say that I'm glad you liked it. Um, Toki will not say that who are you to judge the merit of my salmon. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> so, we would rather say that. <laughs> so, yeah, if you are new to, the, if you are coming for the first time, there are like five or six guys on a preaching team. So I mentioned just like, you know. <laughs> so, you know, the coolest one, the one that we often say, easiest thing is to say that it wasn't me. You know, <laughs> it was the Holy Spirit walking through me. You know, that's, but that one is even too cool. The easiest one is that it's all God. It's all now God, now God. God did. <laughs> so, <clears throat> So somebody came walk up to not me after um, preaching. So preach after preaching. Uh, I'm not sure if it was here. Well, he said it was a really, really good sermon today. And the pastor responded by saying that the Lord wrote it. I don't want to, ah, it's not that good though. <laughs> <laughs> ah, no, 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 it's not that good. <laughs> but you get why. You get why, right? <laughs> ah, Pastor, relax. Relax, relax. <laughs> so it's a humble brag. It's a humble brag. You know, you're trying to, uh, you know, you, you want, want the approval, you want the praise, but you don't want to come off like, you know, that you want it. Okay, let, let me know. Let me leave. Let me leave the preaching team, guys. Let me leave the preaching team, guys. Let me not cast them. If somebody comes to me, it's Gloria Gauba and says, ah. Sister Gloria, you are an amazing worship leader. And she says, you know, I worked so hard to get to where I am, you know, vocal classes and all, the efforts must show now. There's no way that I will not be an amazing worship leader. That person may not like Gloria anymore, right? So instead of that, Gloria will say, to God be all what? The glory. Who am I to lead the, the worship? God is the what? Worship leader. You just see me there, but it's not me. So, the person will say, wow. And you're so humble about it. So that's the brace right there. Two goals. It's a brace. She gets praise for being an amazing worship leader. And then, you know what? She gets praise for being a humble, amazing worship leader. Come on. That's a humble brag. So you see, today we want to talk about the, the Son of God wants to be with you. That's the idea. But it won't make sense until we see that you, me, you want to be with the crowds. That's the first step. Before we see the significance of the Son of God wants to be with you, we have to see that you want to be with the crowds. And that's the first half of the passage that we read from 6 to 12 of that passage. You see, from verse from verse 7, from 7 to 12, brother. So from verse 7, you see things like crowd. Look at, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. If you go to verse 8, you see another thing about, you see, when they all heard about him, many people, see that? If you go to 9, you just see crowd, crowd, crowd. See, they were crowding him. Look at verse 9. So you see crowd, crowd, crowd there. You see, not just the preaching team, not just the, um, the worship team, everyone, we all want approval. We all want recognition. We all want praise. We all want accolades. We may do it loud. We may do it subtly. It may be about the tiny things. It may be about the big things. It may be even bad things that get us the accolades. It may be good things. But we all want accolades. We all want approval and praise. You know, you give to that school so that they can what, name it all after you. You know, that's why you give. So you just put that name right there and you come, cut the ribbon and all that and then all of your children and cousins just get easy admission into that school. Do you understand what I'm saying? But that's a big thing. It can be a small thing. If you remember, if you, had, if, you went, if you had a great experience in primary school, secondary school, then you know that thing we used to do in class in those years, where in the morning before the teacher comes into the class, just to keep the, the class, you know, exciting before the teacher comes, we start asking each other, you don't watch Snake in the Monkey Shadow. 
I don't watch um, <laughs> you don't watch uh, uh, bad, bad, bad boys. I don't watch, I don't watch part one. I don't watch part two. I don't watch one part three. So they just keep going. And then at some point, they now start asking, you don't watch um, Matrix. Say Matrix, ah, I never watch them. They ask, no, you don't watch, ah, you just, you started giant. Then you just start coming with your own names. No movie, you just come with names of movies. You don't watch Snake and the Beast, come on. <laughs> I said, oh, no, I never watch her. Eh? You never watch her. You come with another one. You don't watch eh? Revolution of the Snake Angel. Why? Because everybody's looking cool around here now because you guys don't have TV or a DVD at home. It's not a star. No, I'm not going to cry last though. Prove them that. There was no Google that time. So we we'll do it to get praise and cognition. Small thing. So the same thing that this big man is doing to get his name on the all wall is the same thing this guy is trying to do in the classroom. In secondary school. Or if you're familiar with the entertainment industry, it's what you call streaming farms. <laughs> streaming farms, watching farms, right? So I do I kind of you know I do something in entertainment, so I know. Like if, you know, but let's talk about Robin. But you know, all of in order for people to have their album or their projects or EP be like chat number one on the sound explore streaming farm is chat number one. Because if your if your album Seems to be like the most listened to album. It means one, many people want ah, that yeah. I heard that song, but it was not even bang now. But how come that song is not number one? You now want to go and listen to it. So, in order for people to get their songs to number one, they would people go as far as this. Some people have like they rent like a room or sometimes a house, they buy phones, they download Spotify, Apple Music, and all that on these phones. They get fuel and generator, they plug them in, and then they put the song or their project on replay. So it goes all through the night, it goes all through the day, it goes on for weeks, it goes on. And so you just see song that just dropped today. You go look and say, ah, eh? Let me know name. I hate some people, let me know name their names. <laughs> Two million stream it is it's a lie. The streaming fan. But why? So that that song or that project can get to number one. And you get to number one, people can say, ah, this guy is doing a good project. We go that far. And so, some of us may say, um, film watching and that's in secondary school and streaming farm, they're clearly bad. But what about giving? And that guy gave to that school, he needed it. The school needed it. What about paying for food for someone in the, in the, you know, in the, in the restaurant? And then for some reason, you kind of like, you just pay anonymously. But the point is not anonymous. You know, you just call the waiter. That person, can I? Can I? You said to the boy, you still wait. You want, you will not leave. You have finished it, you know. But you will not leave until the person gets to know. Until the person says, Who bought my drink for me? Until the person asks, cast, 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 cast ground. And then and that's why. <laughs> so you're asking, is he bad? Really? Is he bad? You know, because Jesus says that you are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill. Hmm, let your light so shine. Right? Oh, that's, that's Matthew 5, 14. Philippians 2, 13. It says that let your light so shine as stars in this crooked and perverse generation. So you are shining, right? You are being a city on the hill. But what about Matthew 6, 3? It says, let not your left hand know what your right hand is doing. He said, when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Even the end of that Matthew 5, 14, it says, let your light so shine that men may see your good works. In the end, it doesn't end there. It says, and glorify who? Your Father in heaven. So which is it? You see, the point is that it is a question of motives. Is it so that others can see you or is it for God to see? There is nothing wrong with good deeds being known. Sometimes they should be. There is a legitimate role of testimonies, but there is something wrong with doing them to be known and drawing our joy out of their being known. The question before us this morning is, how much does our peace and joy depend upon people knowing and understanding our good deeds? A deed that exists for the sake of recognition is not for God, it's for you. You see, and Jesus knew this in our text today. Jesus knew this. Jesus was doing good deeds. Yes, healing many people. 
Jesus was anointed to do good deeds. Yes. But Jesus did not do good deeds for praise from people. Jesus did it for God. You see, in a text from verse 7, you see, it says that big crowds followed him. Big crowds, large people from Judea, from Idumei, from all regions, not just there, but beyond Tyre and Sidon. They were just coming. They were coming. They were coming. They were talking at Jesus. They were falling over him. They were pushing. They were touching. They were following him. Just this huge paparazzi. But then how does Jesus respond in verse 9a? Look what he says. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him. Big crowds are flocking around Jesus, just asking for what? A small boat. Is he tired of doing good deeds? No. Look what he says, even at the end of that. Look at verse, verse 12. He gave what? But he gave this to people who are possessed by impure spirits. When I say, You are the Son of God, you are the Son of God, he says, Shut up. He gave them what? Strict orders to keep quiet. He was healing. He was casting out demons. But he was getting to this point. You see, they were crowding him. They were crowding him. And he didn't, you know, he was crowding. He said, and the word crowding there, it's not, not just crowding. The word crowding there means crushing. And so Jesus would require a small boat because he didn't want the crowds, the people, to crush him. Even though he meant that some of them would be angry. Even though he meant that some of them would see him as, oh, oh, you've killed this person. You've cast out the, the demon from this person. You're not going to cast out for me. Even though he was in risk of suffering rejection, Jesus said, keep quiet to avoid the crowds from crushing him. And so, you see, the first thing we have to know is that, you see, living in order for others to recognize, to accept, to praise us, will crush us, to crush you. A small boat to keep the people from crushing him. We also, for acceptance, we also for recognition, because we don't want to suffer what? Rejection. But the thing is that when we hope for man's acceptance, we make ourselves even more vulnerable to man's rejections. When I yearn for your acceptance, I open myself to your rejection. We suffer rejection when we look for someone's acceptance but don't get it. If man's acceptance will build you up, man's rejection will bring you down. If what inflates you is the recognition of men, then the rejection of men will deflate you. Those who want man's acceptance but don't get it succumb to feelings of rejection. Those who want man's acceptance and get it fall into the trap of man's praise. Look at Herod in Acts 12, 22. They were praising him. Oh, oh, glory. This is not the voice of a man. This is the voice of God. And he took it in. And he took it in. And he took it in. He fell for the trap. And what happened to him? So worms and angels struck him and worms ate Herod up right there on the spot. The praise of man ensnared him and crushed him right there. But look at Jesus in Mark 12, 13 to 17. They came to him. You see, they heard the, the, the Pharisees that they came to him. I came to ask him. He said, oh, you are true. And what you teach is true. Everything that you said is true. So now what do you think? Should we give to Caesar or should we give to... And I know what the first thing Jesus says. Jesus says, why are you trying to trap me? That's what Jesus says. He says, why are you trying to trap me? Jesus was not trapped by the praise of men. So he wasn't crushed by the rejection of men. Look what the writer Bob Such says. Bob Such says, I used to think Jesus was very thick-skinned. I saw Jesus as someone who was so tough that nothing could penetrate his soul and crush him. But I, I totally misunderstood who Jesus is. Jesus wasn't unmoved by rejection because he had a tough outer shell. He was untouched by rejection because he was untouched by acceptance. Man's rejections never penetrated his soul because he didn't allow man's praises to feed his soul. 
And Jesus suffered a lot of rejections. Even verse 6 of our text, from which Tommy preached last week, verse 6. Look at verse 6. It says, then, because Jesus healed a man on Sabbath. Look what he says. He says, and he didn't want Jesus to heal on the Sabbath. He says, then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with their audience how they might kill Jesus. For his good deed that he did. So hear me well. I'm not saying that if you don't look for acceptance, you will never suffer rejection. No. In fact, Jesus' life illustrates that even if you are perfect, you will suffer rejection. I said crushed, crushed. Rejection hurts, but it need not crush. Jesus was pained by rejection, but he was never crushed by it. He was never embittered or offended by it. Rejection is painful, but, but if... But it doesn't have to penetrate the heart. Jesus found a way to process rejection so that it stung him without crushing him. Because he doesn't need the praise of men. Jesus is free. Free because he knew what Herod did not understand. Oh, that the praise of men is like perfume. It should be sniffed but not drunk. That praise might be food for God but Praise is often poison for man. Jesus is free. John 3.35. Look what it says. John 3.35. It says that, you see, all that the Father has, he has given to Jesus. So Jesus has everything. So Jesus has all that the Father has. So Jesus had nothing to gain. Philippians 2 verse 7, it says, Jesus made himself nothing. Another translation will say, Jesus made himself of no reputation. So Jesus had no reputation to lose, so he had nothing to lose. With nothing to lose and nothing to gain, Jesus is free of all men's praises and rejection. The ultimate odeshi. That's what I'm talking about. John 5, 41, he says that, he says, you guys, he says, I do not seek my glory from man. He says, no, no, in verse 44, he says, the glory that I seek comes from the only God. Ah, this is Jesus who God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. His acceptance was from God. The praise and the commendation that he has was from God. So now you see that you want to be with the crowds, but you see the kind of person Jesus is. No. So now imagine something. Now this is the part of where the Son of God wants to be with you. Now imagine this. Imagine that this Jesus that doesn't care for praise, that doesn't care for rejection, that is totally free, that his acceptance comes from only God. Imagine that this Jesus is saying to you that he wants you. Imagine. In verse 13, he says, he called to him those he wanted. Hey, when this kind of person says that he wants you, that he really, really wants you. Because he doesn't care for your praise and he doesn't care for your rejection. So when he's saying he wants you, Jesus really, really wants you. Oh, we say enough about Jesus is with you. Jesus, No, I'm saying Jesus wants to be with you. He wants you not because of who you are, but because of who he is. Now, look at the people that he wants. Look at the people that Jesus wants. Look at when he started naming the disciples. You had Matthew. You know who Matthew was? Matthew, the tax collector. One of the most despised sets of people in Israel. They would collect money, collect money from his own tribesmen and give it to the oppressing Roman government. And not only that, he would not part his pocket with some extra. Like a corrupt politician. Jesus wants him. And Agbero, Jesus what? wants you. Simon the Zealot, this was an activist, a rebel against the, the government of the time. But you know rebels, when they are so, for someone to be called the Zealot, you know that there's how someone's rebellion and activism is, even it's not on the side of the people. People say, ah, what? What? Hey, today protest this, tomorrow protest that, today protest this. We protest against protests. Come on. 
Jesus wants Simon the Zealot. Jesus wants you. Thomas the Doubter. He just wants to say that. They say Jesus is alive. You say, no, Jesus is not alive. Who are you? I must see evidence before I believe. It's not that when I see Jesus, I need to see where they stab Jesus. I need to see the, Jesus wants you. Jesus wants Thomas. Simon, the loud mouth. Bebeto. He's a great man. Eh? But the same guy that denied Jesus three times. He was sure that I would not deny it, and he denied Jesus so assuredly. <laughs> or James and John, Gragra, masters. They want to sit with Jesus, and they've never seen anything. They say they want to, this now you have, want to, eh? Jesus wants them. But see how much Jesus wants them. You see, Simon was his name. But you see that, but Jesus named him what? Peter. Look how much Jesus wants them, the relationship he wants with them. He wants them so much that he was so close to them, so intense that he gave them nicknames. He called James and John, son of bandages. He wants them so much. He desires this relationship, this union with them so much that he gave them nicknames, sons of thunder. Oh, Jesus wants you to the point that he wants to give you nicknames too. How close, how dear can you be to him that you have your own nickname? Jesus. He wants you. He wants you single, married, divorced, gay, feel the rich, death poor. He wants you crying newborns, anorexic, or you who could afford to lose a few pounds. He wants you. Whether you can sing like Gloria Galba or like Dick and Femi, you can't carry a note to save your life. He wants you. He wants you if you are just church hunting and just woke up or just came from the club this morning. He doesn't care if you are more Muslim than a sheik. Or haven't been in church since you were dedicated as a baby. He wants you. You are over 60 years young or 13 years old. He wants you. Influencers, tech bros, starving artists, foodies, shopaholics. Are you in recovery or still addicted? Having house problems or you don't like organized religion? He wants you. If you blew all your tithes and offering money on betting, he wants you. Obedient, Baptist, articulates. You walk too hard, you don't walk, you can't spell or you are here because your baby is in town and wanted to go to church. He wants you. You could use a prayer right now. Had religion shoved down your throat as a kid or got lost in traffic and wound up here by mistake, he wants you. He wants you to be with him. Ah, verse 14a. He says, he says, you want to be with the crowd, but he wants you to be with him. He says, he called them. He appointed to that he might be with him. Have you ever been on a date with someone who didn't care much about themselves? Who didn't care about hyping themselves? Who didn't care about blowing their trumpets only just to be with you? I know Lagos is not like that. <laughs> I know that most of the, and he's Muslim man. <clears throat> he's Muslim man. He go on a date and the guy just telling you, this is not a job interview, bro. <laughs> He's telling you his CV and telling you all the things he's been with, all the places he's been to, and all the places that he might take you to. It depends on how this night ends. But I'm asking again, have you ever been on a date with someone who didn't care much about themselves, about hyping themselves, about blowing their trumpets only just to be with you? Oh, the freedom you feel. No competition. You don't, you don't need to compete. You don't need to... As a person says, no achievement, you have to return your own. There's no need. There's no defensiveness. A woman was once invited to spend two nights with two prime ministers of Britain. On the first night, she was supposed to spend time with William Gladstone. On the second night, she was supposed to spend time with Benjamin Disraeli. And then after she spent those two nights with them, they asked her, how did it go? How was it? You know, she said, he said, wow. When I spent time with Benjamin Disraeli, he said, wow, man, that man... That man is the most important man in the world. That is a top-class man. Believe it. Say, wow, people are impressed. So we know Benjamin Jusoli is that kind of guy. So then I asked her, what about the time you spent with William Gladstone? I said, wow. After that time with William Gladstone, I feel like I'm the most important woman in the world. <laughs> Guys, if she spends every day 
with William Gladstone. As, as, as great as, she, as he made her feel, William Gladstone will eventually have days off. He's human. There will be days when he will need approval. There will be days when someone has rejected him. There will be days when he will come and the woman will feel like, is not the Gladstone that I met you that last time? He is bound to have such days. But every day with Jesus is like that. Every day with Jesus is like that. Every day with Jesus is like that. Jesus wants to be with you so that your need to be with the crowds will fizzle out. Hey, will you come to him? Will you be with the man who can make you a person who is untouched by the praises of men and uncrushed by the rejection of men? Ah, verse 14 says, he appointed 12. Hey, the word appointed here is actually to make, to create, to bring something out of nothing. The kind of person that will live above the commendation or criticism of men can only be made by someone like Jesus. He knows what that's all about. Or the books on handling rejection or handling commendation. Or the psychologists will tell you things like, ah, get down to the root of your rejection. It's in your childhood. Oh, ah, you're asking yourself, why don't I get invited to parties? Oh, he said, no, see, you're thinking this. You've become rejection sensitive. Ah, you see, even when you're not being rejected, because of what happens in your childhood, you feel like you are rejected. Then you keep going further. When you can just show up, you're like, you're just being too sensitive to this rejection. You see, you keep overanalyzing, analyzing, analyzing. Guys, but you can never be healed of rejection by analyzing the source of your rejection. You can only be healed of your rejection by looking at the source of what of your acceptance. Oh, close yourself up. Don't mingle with people that allow you feel down. People that will not approve you or appreciate you. Ah, but guys, you know, when you close yourself up to people, when we close ourselves to the rejection of others, we also close ourselves to their correction and rebuke as well. And we need to look to others for counsel, for prayer, for encouragement, for practical work, for wisdom, for perspective, for correction. We need to relate to each other in humility and accountability and mutual submission. Yet, by doing all this, we need to still remain unmoved and not crushed by rejection. This is a great challenge. Making myself vulnerable to your kindness and your affection. Why not allowing myself to be penetrated by your rejection? I can't do this. It's impossible for me to do. Only Jesus can make you like this if you come to him. And he wants to be with you. He made these 12 men. He's made 12 before. Hey, he made 12 tribes of Israel, his family, special people. He called them out. He said, I'm not calling you because you are many. I'm not calling you because you are strong. In fact, you are so wicked. In fact, compared to other nations of the earth, you are so few. But I'm calling you because I am. I'm calling you because I love you. I'm calling you because I want to show you my kindness. Jesus is doing the same. Jesus has done the same. Oh, by his death on the cross, he has made as many as believe him today every bit as special, if not more. Oh, First Peter 2.10. God has made you what? A holy nation. A special possession. A royal priesthood. He said once you were a people without name. Once you had no mercy, but now you have become part of my family. Now you have obtained mercy. Ephesians 1.11-13. He says that in predestination, he chose you according to his plan. No, Jesus does not want you as a plan B. This has been his plan A before time began. He wants you long before you were ever born. Guys, when you get this, you become the kind of person who can carry out God's purposes well. Because you see in verse 14, it says, He called them to be with him that he might what send them out to do what to preach and cast out demons. You see, this is a this is necessary. You can't do service to God. You can't work well in your job, your so-called secular job or whatever ministry. If you've not understood this, if you've not grasped this one thing of Jesus to be with you, because if it's not necessary, look at verse 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 twelve says it says that. The people with impure spirit said, you are the son of God. So they were ready to proclaim. Because God just to them. 
Jesus said in verse 12, he said, but he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. But now in this verse 14, he's not saying, go out and tell others about me. What's the difference? These ones are with him. Guys, this is the way that we become persons that have received that, that can overcome, that are not moved by rejection or praise. But you see, even with these, like I've said before, you will still be ensnared by praise of men. You will still face rejection. So don't be shocked. Don't say, hey, I've accepted Jesus. I'm included in Christ. Why am I being rejected? No, don't be shocked. Or don't feel somehow when you are praised. Ah, why is this person praising me now? Don't you know that is a trap? Why are you praising me? No, no, that's why you act. He says, now that you have capacity to, because Jesus has made you, how do you live? How do you live? I want to show something in this text again. You see, the way you do this, you confront this practically in your day-to-day. It is that you must learn the secrets of the secret place. In verse 7, Verse 7, look at verse 7. It says, Jesus withdrew with his disciples were to the lake. Throughout the book of Mark, the sea is a frequent place of refuge and transformation. You see it in chapter 4, it's in chapter 6. It's in verse 13. Look what it says. It says, Jesus went up the mountain. You see, in Mark 2, mountains are places of retreats transformation and revelation. You see chapter 6 and you see chapter 9. And so in practical terms, what I'm saying is, you see, now that you, oh yes, I put my faith in Christ. Oh, I know I've been a Christian. I know that I'm accepted in Christ. So now, when you have been stung by rejection or tempted to be trapped by praise, we need to learn to retreat to the secret place. This is how we can be with the God who wants to be with us so that the crowds don't crush us or kill us. And I'm going to give us three broad practices of the secret place from this text. See, the first one is the prayer of the secret. You see, this same text in Luke 6, this same text in Luke 6, verse 12, look what it says. It says that <clears throat> when Jesus went up the mountain to pray, that's what Luke says. When Jesus went up the mountain to pray, it's on this kind of prayer and speaking of it's not just oh some general prayer that you pray yes it is praying especially when you've experienced great success guys when you've experienced so success you've delivered this position that work and praises are coming from every right left corner under the great the best employee of the month this that this that oh preachers know this well after you preach a sermon and ooh you saw on Sunday the evening of Sunday is not usually good for preachers though. We are at our weakest. We are at our most vulnerable. After preaching our best sermons in the evenings and Mondays, they are terrible days. Because now, virtual has come out of you. You've preached to both people with pure spirit and impure spirit. Jonas are like, they're always doing the same time we are preaching around you. Not liking people, I'm saying. But the angels of the air are always, so I'm preaching, a lot is coming out. Right? But then again, people have given you all of this praise and then it's okay. So you are wrestling. Yes, in fact, the sermon you preached about was that how to deal with praise and rejection. Jesus wants to be with you. And now people are saying all this and say, wow, man. Wow, yes, man, I put a lot of effort to this thing. That was why that light entered. Oh, but Jesus, he wants to be with me. And then you don't struggle and struggle and this overwhelms you and brings you down. You see, this is the time when you go to praise. See, Jesus was healing many people from all around the world. And what did Jesus do in the next verse? He said, Jesus went up to the mountainside to what? To pray. He knew. And also, when you've experienced great rejection, you go to the mountain, you go to your secret place, you go, you shut your door, and you pray. And ask the Lord to not allow this to feed your soul. You see, you pray. Don't just say, I'm praying for you. Because that's a show off. You're not living the secrets. You want to be with the crowd. You want approval. You say, I'll be praying for you. I don't pray for them. And now you have this stockpile of, I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you. Brothers and sisters, go and, when you live here today, go and pray for all those list of people.
says, he says, not just prayer. Pray and fast. Like Pastor Femi showed us some weeks ago. Pray and fast and read your Bible and give and let no one know about it. There's no, you know, there's some seeds of life you have to take and say, ah, you've been struggling with approval addiction. You've been struggling with rejection. And then, but, but you're always posting everything that you do on WhatsApp status. Everything that you do, you post on WhatsApp, you post on Instagram story. So how do you think God is going to answer the prayer? No. For a season, take time out and say, I'm going to study this Bible passage and this plan and I will not tell anybody. And I will not post the thing that struck me the most on my status. No. I will fast in secret. I will pray in secret. Don't share a testimony on, that is not fully ripe. If you know this is a struggle for you, don't share this one to his fully. Yes, I know. You say when you share a testimony, God is not able to complete it. But that is not true in every circumstance. Sometimes God wants to hold that back. God that sees you in secret is the one that started the testimony. He's able to what? Complete the testimony. The people that did not start the testimony cannot complete the testimony. Don't share every prophecy. Don't share every prophecy. Don't share every word that God is teaching. Nobody asks you. Nobody. It's not every time. See, we all have secrets with the people that we love. There's some things that you and your wife know that makes that relationship special, that makes it unique. That you want it's so sweet, it's so fantastic. But that's what once you share it, like you don't want to share, that's what makes it so don't you want to have those kind of secrets with God that makes your relationship special. Volunteer somewhere where you are not using your main talents, where you are not using your main work experience. Something that you don't need experience or you don't need work for, just go and do something that is so that is that is so you know menial. But they need your service. I don't have to tell them, don't go there and post with all these children and put back one bag of rice here. I put one crate of mirror here. I put Instagram. Just touching lives, bro. I'm so pained that many children get to live like this in this city. I'm so pained. I'm so pained that I'll be one of those that is now being able to help them like this. Bro, bro, are you so pained? If you are so pained, why are you posting it, bro? We should be crying and praying, bro. <laughs> the secret place. See, Matthew 6, 18... Because, see, secret place, you're not trying to go and, you're not trying to go to the secret place and then wait for God to come and meet you. No. So Matthew 6, 18 says, it says, your father, who, you see, this transition says, who sees what is done in secret? In this transition, I like it, we say, your father, who is in the secret place? God is already in the secret place waiting for you. So when you shut your door, you are shutting your door to go and meet your father, who is waiting for you since, waiting there. You are late to the meeting. That's how much he wants you. He's already in a secret place. You see, I'm not talking about giving your money in such a way that it... I'm not saying... I'm not talking about giving your money in such a way that it's acknowledged. I'm saying about giving your money in order to be acknowledged. I'm not saying don't let people know you fast or don't let people hear you praying. I'm saying don't pray to be seen. Because you already have your reward. Second one. So how do you give and receive praise or compliments. How do you give and receive praise? You see, first one, tell me, Sandami, thank you for the wonderful sermon. The easiest and shortest answer is, thank you. Thank you very much. Perfect. It works like that. You see, because we need, we need encouragement. Not just preachers, not just worship leaders. We all need encouragement. In fact, God commands us to be encouraged. Please encourage one another while you still today. Edify one another. Let your words be awesome. Seasoned with salt. God commands us. Provoke one another to good works, yes. But on the part of those giving praise, knowing our praise, praise can be a trap. Please, let your compliments be compliments. Let it not be flattery. Don't say it because you want to, you want to say nice things to pastor so that pastor can put you top of his schedule to meet you. Pastor, wonderful someone. The, the point one, exactly. I want you really keep that point one. It's for me. I don't, I don't think it's for anybody else. I think it was for me, right? So, I didn't, I didn't know if you did. And then sometime next week, you kind of like, Send a message to Pastor about you wanted to see him. You know, and then Pastor doesn't know I respond to you. You thank him, thank you again for the next sermon. You tell him thank you for the next sermon again. And then you just keep telling Pastor you want to see. And then Pastor says, Ah, please, I cannot see you at this time. And then Pastor just see that suddenly you stop telling him how good the sermon was. Flattery. But again, if people give you praise or if they give you flattery, the onus is still on you to deal with it. Even if people set trap for you. People can praise you, people can flatter you. Now it's up to you to respond well. Oh, you say thank you. 
Or you say what I love the most, you have to understand is Psalm 62 verse 9. Look at what it says. Let's put that up. Psalm 62 verse 9. I love this. And when I was struggling with rejection so much and approval addiction, this Psalm, this Psalm delivered me. Psalm 62 verse 9. It says, Surely the low born are but a breath, the high born are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only what a breath. KJV says, together, they are only what a vapor. He's saying the opinion of Oshuni, the opinion of Adeboye, the opinion of Alakija, the opinion of Dangote, the opinion of Ronaldo, combine everything together, is vapor. Everything together is vapor. So someone comes and says, Pastor, thank you. Or someone's going to thank you. Man, brilliant, excellent um, presentation. Actually, fantastic. Right? You tell the person, thank you. You tell the person, you respond to the person like Paul thanks me. We say, I thank God that God was able to use that salmon to bless you. I thank God. But in your mind, you're saying, vapor. <laughs> vapor. That's what, to, that's what I used to do. In my mind, I would say, a vapor. Vaporous remark. Then in my mind, thank you for the vapor. Thank you. Vapor. Vapor. To accustom myself to receiving only the praise that comes from God. And the third one, the final one is embrace obscurity. Embrace anonymity. Embrace the fact that you may never get popular. Embrace the fact that you may never become known. And that that's fine. Guys, look at the people that Jesus chose. Yes, we hear a lot of stories about Simon Peter. You know a lot of stuff about um, um, James and John. Did he mind things, powerful things, Thomas, you know, powerful, infamous, nice thing. You hear about that, you hear about all of these guys. But you see, there's some guys that you never hear about. Only that one time in that place we heard about them. And these are among the 12 apostles, the pillars of the church. But we didn't hear anything about them apart from that time. People like Bartholomew, Thaddeus. James the Less. In fact, someone was called James the Less. They take the James, they compare another James, they say, <laughs> See, Bartholomew, like, I know they're probably, but I mean, people even hear that beer Bartholomew. It's not nobody named their child, but Bartholomew, Judas is called, even sounds nicer than Bartholomew. Yes, if Bartholomew had been the betrayer, ah, that would have been worse. You see, not known. And that's fine. You have to redefine the metrics of success. Guys, see what Dallas Williard says. A writer. He says, secrecy at its best teaches love and humility before God and others. And that love and humility encourages us to see our associates in the best possible light. Even to the point of our hoping they will do better and appear better than us. Do you hear that? <laughs> you see, even to the point of our hoping that they will do better and appear better than us, it actually becomes possible for us to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than ourselves. As Philippians 2-3 advises, you see, and what a relief that can be if you want to experience the flow of love as never before. The next time you are in a competitive situation, pray that the others around you will be more outstanding. That they will be more praised. That they will be more used of God than yourself. Really pull for them and rejoice for their successes. Ah, he says, look at his statement. He says, if Christians were universally to do this for each other, the earth would soon be filled with the knowledge of God's glory. The discipline of secrecy can lead us into this sort of wonderful experience. Guys, so Dallas is telling me that. <laughs> when I first read this, I said, uh, come on, come on. So you mean that I should be praying that Emmanuel should be better than me at preaching? Why? <laughs> that Toki and Tommy should be better than me. Isn't that you can be praying for your colleague? Like, 
You can pray for your colleague that this person will excel more than me. God, I pray that, I pray that Rashid's presentation will go well, even go better than the one that I, that I did last week. It was excellent, but I want Rashid to be more excellent. So that if he's, if he's even way excellent than my own, then we're able to seal this deal for the company. He said, this is what Jesus, this is what Jesus, this is what Jesus means that you should do. Why? Because the person who sees you what in secret will do what? Will reward you what? Openly. God has the right, the God, the audacity, the reservation to make you better than Emmanuel if he chooses. God has the right and that is to make you better than prosper if he chooses. And if he does not choose, praise is for God. And so when Jesus lives like this, you know what? Do you know Jesus in secrecy? The disciples trying to live in secrecy. Paul in secrecy. Do you know what happened? See, Jesus tries to hide from the crowds. But you know what? Jesus does what? Jesus always what? Fails. Jesus tries to hide from the crowd, but he always fails. The more he hid, the more he lived in secrecy, the more God rewarded him what? Openly. The more God made his name go far, the more he said, keep quiet. Don't tell others about me. The more people will run and go and tell others about him. This is the life that God wants us to choose. God wants you to live this life of secrecy. God, Jesus wants you to be with him so much that your life would have a faith that is impossible to hide. Let us pray. Thanks for listening. If you found this sermon helpful, we hope you join us in the mission of renewing Lagos with the gospel by sharing it, rating this podcast and following us. These actions help us reach more people with the gospel. You can also connect with us on various social media platforms via the handle at City Church Lagos. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.